Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Mimiverse Monthly Audiocast. I am your host, writer-director Christopher R. Mim, and I have to ask, are you there? And is it wonderful? Are you listening? Sorry, the, uh, the Is It Wonderful is a reference to a, a, an Our Lady Peace song, a band I like out of Canada, which you probably have heard of. That perhaps is a good way to start this episode because I would like to talk a little bit about things people like. Starting first with the Mimiverse. As you know, I, I write and direct these cheesy 50s-style films, and uh, they're not for everyone, and that's okay. Because not everything is for everyone. And here's a good point I'd like to make just starting out as a filmmaker. Because I've realized there's a couple things uh, that have been bothering me lately. And I'll get through this quickly and then go into letting you know what's going on in the Mimiverse. But I want to talk about a few things just because I don't want every show to be exactly the same. Uh, where I'm like, hey, we're making a movie. Give me money. Making a movie. Give me money. And now this. And now that. And now be, you know, No. I want to talk a little bit about Avengers Infinity War. Now, I will not be spoiling the film at all, I promise you. So if you haven't seen it, you're safe. I tend to be one of those people that likes almost every movie I see. But I tend to be a person who is very forgiving when it comes to films. I just like to be entertained, and if a movie at least entertains me, I'm happy. That's all I ask, that's all I need. Entertain me. It can be the dumbest thing ever. But at least if I leave that theater saying, well, I was at least entertained, then I feel like the filmmakers did the bare minimum. I can't stand movies that are all art and no entertainment. But that's just me. Some people would rather see a film that maybe challenges you in some way or or experiments with the art form in such a way that pushes boundaries and, and breaks rules and what have you. I honestly just prefer movies that are entertaining. That's it. Although some heavier stuff, uh, heavy subject matter, that isn't necessarily meant to be entertaining, I like that too. I think you understand what I mean. But this is what brings me to the thing I've noticed recently, specifically about Avengers Infinity War. But it also extends to other things, and I'll get to that in a sec. I've noticed this weird trend on social media in particular. You have something like Avengers, which is very, very popular across the world. There's a reason why it's breaking records and making billions of dollars. Lots of people like it. But then you find these folks who feel it is their duty to go on social media and talk about how, I think it's dumb. I've never cared about it. I think it's all stupid. I like this or that. And they use it as a a springboard to make themselves seem cool in some way or somehow better and superior to everyone who does like it. You see this at the same time around the Super Bowl, where people who don't like (laughs) sports ball, because that joke never gets old, who have to go on social media and proclaim that they don't watch sports and they don't care. But see, here's the thing. A lot of people do, and a lot of people do care. It's what entertains them. It means something to them. You may not get it, but it may not be for you. Just like with Avengers and the Marvel movies and whatever else, not everything is made for you. And here's the thing. We don't need to hear you talk about how cool and superior you are that you don't like it. 
And the funny thing is, is I saw a, a few people who just jump on there and they mention how they're so above it and they don't like it and this, that, and the other thing that I have been Facebook friends with some of these folks for a very long time. And I do know what they're into because they talk about it all the time. And I guess this is again, another way for them to feel superior, whatnot. And I don't agree with what they like. That's not to say they're not entitled to like what they like. Here's the point. It does not make them somehow superior or better in some way because they like that. Cause you know, I think some of that stuff is crap. But that's just my opinion, and that's the thing. Opinions, when it comes to entertainment, everybody has them, and they're all different. And that's okay. What's not okay is when you have to validate your opinions in some way by going on social media to talk about how, uh, I'm not into that. Uh, I don't watch sports ball. Sports ball. Here's the thing. I like curling, which I'm sure you're aware of. Not everybody likes curling. It can be boring if you really don't get it. And I don't mean that as in, like, you just don't get it. I mean that as in, like, if you don't understand the nuance of the game, I can understand why some people find it boring. I, as a person who has played it for years now, understand some of the smaller nuances of why one thing is better than the other or harder than another. And honestly, when I watch it now, you see these players make these shots, and you're like, how in hell did you make that shot? I've tried to make shots similar to that, and I miss crazy, and you make this insane. What? Yeah. I like curling. Not everybody likes curling. I, I dig football. Not everyone likes football. I don't like baseball. I find it too slow and, I don't know, repetitive, maybe. I'm just not into it. It's not my thing. But Michael Kaiser, who plays the monster in all my films, loves baseball. He's ridiculous about baseball. And I've met a lot of people over the years who love baseball. Uh, I can't stand it. But that's the point. Everyone is entitled to that opinion. And whatever's for you is for you. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh my God, I like, you like baseball? <laughs> Baseball's the worst. That makes you stupid. I would never say that. You enjoy baseball all you want. It's just not for me. Curling may not be for you. It is for me. Marvel movies may not be for you, but I like them a lot, and I find them very entertaining. We don't need to hear about how you're somehow cooler than everyone else because you see through all the marketing and crap and Disney, blah. It's the same people who complain about the modern Star Wars movies. I could do a whole show just talking about how people need to just calm the F down and, and try and see things for what they are. And this relates very much to the Mimiverse. And I'm not going on this rant because anyone said anything about the Mimiverse or any of my films. Honestly, it's not that. But I've seen it quite a bit over the years of doing this. You run across a lot of people who, they have strong opinions. Where I run into problems with folks' opinions of my work is people get ideas in their head about what my movie should be according to them. And when it turns out to be the movie I made, according to me, they're mad because, oh, how dare they make uh, the giant spider kind of jokey? It should be serious. And then you get the other folks who are like, oh, where's Guido so serious? It's not funny at all. That's not what I set out to do. And in the giant spider, I did set it out to make it kind of funny. That was the point. That is what I wanted. And that's what I ended up with. You can not like it because you like your giant spider movies to be dead serious. Fine. But you can't necessarily flat out say, the movie sucks because I want it to be serious, and it's not. 
that does not mean the movie sucks. You don't like the movie because you want it to be something else. Take the movie for what it is and review it honestly based on what it actually is. So that's my rant. Stop complaining on social media that you're cooler than everyone else because you don't like the sports ball or the Avengers or whatever the hell it is. Just stop doing it. It doesn't make you seem better. It makes you seem kind of petty and smaller, weirdly. And if that's what you're going for, I guess continue it. But I've I've been very close to unfriending a lot of people because I get really tired of it. Let's talk about the Mimiverse. It's been really crazy busy. Insane. April was going to be the month when I was finishing up shooting all of the outdoor stuff for Guns of the Apocalypse. Because all the outdoor stuff takes place in the winter, and I had to get it done before leaves appeared on trees. I was okay if there wasn't snow, per se, because there are scenes that take place deep in forests where snow doesn't even really reach there, even when we get heavy snowfall. So there are parts that it's okay, it doesn't need to be snow. There was always a joke for years that whenever I write snow into a script, it never snows. I wrote a blizzard in the House of Ghosts, and we got no snow that year. So I had to digitally add a blizzard in Minnesota, which we were filming in, like, February, January. I mean, it was ridiculous. This time, though, the weather gods did not disappoint. We started getting snow early, and we got a lot. I was originally going to start shooting outside in February, but if you've ever been to Minnesota in February, it's a bad idea to spend a lot of time outside because you get below zero highs and even more frigid wind chills. And I didn't want to kill my actors. So I had several scenes that take place on a set that was a set that could be built upon the previous set used in Demon with the Atomic Brain. So we started there. In February, we shot all that stuff on that set, eight or nine scenes or something like that. Many of them very short. You'll understand when you see the finished film. So we did all that because we were inside. But as March approached, we figured, okay, this it's, it's going to start warming up to tolerable levels, you know, the 20s, 30s. Although I'm so sure some of you who don't live in the north are like, 20s are tolerable? What is wrong with you? We figured March and April, we could get everything we need. The weather did not cooperate. We had the world's longest dang winter this year, and lots and lots and lots and more snow than I needed. I did get a lot of great footage that included snow. This movie's going to look unlike anything I've ever done, and it's just... We got some beautiful, beautiful images. However, we have been snowed out three, four times. There were scenes I had to reschedule three times because of the temperature. We fell behind because of the weather. And I kept rescheduling, rescheduling, and the rescheduled dates would get too cold, too windy, too whatever. I had a lot of stuff piled into one weekend to make up a lot of what we were behind on. And we would have caught up that weekend. However, and this was the weekend Lost in Space came out because that's all I did all weekend was binge watch Lost in Space because we had a record-breaking April blizzard where we got 22 inches of snow over the course of several days. We had to cancel an entire weekend's worth of filming and it was all basically makeup stuff at that point where we'd pushed it all back. And this was two weeks ago from the day that I'm talking to you right now. Two weeks. There was almost two feet of snow on the ground. In fact, I think there was because we already had some snow and it added on top of it. Two weeks. Lost a weekend. I had to reschedule everything else out to the last week in April. 
figuring with that much snow, we'll still have snow when we're shooting and maybe it'll warm up. The weather looks like it might warm up. Here we are, two weeks later. Two weeks. Two weeks ago, it was below freezing, two feet of snow. Two weeks after, today, it is 80 degrees outside and all the snow is gone. Gotta love Minnesota. So in the last week, I have shot almost every single day to finish up everything I need for Guns of the Apocalypse. Literally, I took one day off, and that was for my birthday last week. But other than that, we shot tons and tons of stuff, and we got it all. So we're back up to par. We're, we're where we need to be. We finished filming the outdoor stuff last night. It was 80 degrees. Uh, Tyler Haynes, who plays the main character, was wearing a coat like a heavy coat with fur and several layers. Uh, but in the forest, uh, in the, in the shade, it wasn't so bad. It was, it wasn't heavy coat weather, but he survived. Let's say that. So we did it. We got all the outdoor stuff we need. That is a big accomplishment. And I'm very happy about that because I was freaking out a little bit there when that snow was coming in. And like I said, I just sort of binge watched the entire season of Lost in Space on Netflix, which I really liked. I don't know if you liked it. Perhaps it's not for you, but it was for me. I really liked it. I thought they did a great job. I can't wait for the next season. But during that weekend, watching the snow fall and fall and fall, realizing I'd lost now three or four days of shooting and had to redo it all, I kind of had just a, a moment where I was like, eh, what can you do? We'll get it. We'll get it. I decided I needed to be the cheerleader and say, you know, we're going to get it. We're going to do it. And we buckled down and we did it. So now we have 11 scenes left to shoot, all on sets. And I purposely did that because now we can shoot in my basement in the air conditioning. I think it's three more days. Three more days and we're done with principal photography of Guns of the Apocalypse. I have a half hour of the film completed and edited. Uh, At this rate, we will be releasing it. As long as everything stays the same, we get it all. If we can get it all shot and done and in the can before Memorial Day, which is the plan, uh, we will have a release probably in the first week of October or the last week of September. We'll see. It's come together. It's almost done. We're rocking it. We're making it. We're going to get there. Now, I have to ask, have you contributed? Because we're also making another movie called Queen of Snakes, which is now half in the can. I mean, we're kicking butt. We, uh, we're almost done shooting uh, Guns of the Apocalypse and will be within three or four weeks. Queen of Snakes, on the other hand, is going to take a couple more months, but we've been doing it a little slower. I'm just kind of collecting footage. The plan as of right now, because I've been talking about this, I want to get back to a spring release schedule instead of the fall. Guns of the Apocalypse should be released in the fall, September, October. Then I'll have everything I need for Queen of Snakes, and I'll release that next spring. During the summer... Uh, I hope to shoot a couple other little fun things that maybe, just maybe, I'll still release this year. I still want to do some of the Phantom File stuff. I was being overly ambitious when I decided to do just two movies and then talked about a third and a fourth. And I still want to make Wasp. And I'm still writing Wasp. And I still want to start shooting that and get that together. But as I get into this, I realize, wow, I'm really doing a lot. I don't want the, the quality to suffer. I really don't. And I don't think it is, but I think if I push it too hard, uh, I'm going to start missing deadlines. And deadlines, I need deadlines. I'm the kind of guy who needs deadlines to get stuff done. So I'm pushing for those deadlines. 
but stuff will get done. I, I have basically the next four years of the Mimiverse planned out. And yes, you heard that right. The next four years of the Mimiverse, I know exactly what I'm doing. But I'm not going to tell you what the plans are yet. Because I need to focus on just finishing what I'm, I'm doing now. So, I'm keeping busy. Lots of stuff's happening. You should contribute to both Guns of the Apocalypse because we still need money, believe it or not. We have sets to build and we're out of money. So, everything that's happening at this point is coming out of my pocket. Queen of Snakes, we still need stuff. We're still working on that. It's still coming together. We need your help. Please go to SaintEuphoria.com, GunsOfTheApocalypse.com, or QueenOfSnakes.com. They all go to the same place. Contribute. Get your name in the credits. Be a part of Mimiverse history. I never forget those who help out, really. Uh, This last weekend, at night, with a bunch of extras. Almost all those extras were, like, contributors. People who, over the years, have been very generous to the productions. And a lot of them, you see them right there on screen. So I tend to reward those who are supportive. Just because you've done so much for me, I want to do something for you. And what's cooler than... I mean, just seeing your name in the credits alone, if you just want to contribute, what's cooler than seeing yourself in there? And uh, I don't do a lot of open casting calls, especially extras. I usually just ask people if they want to do it. I don't like to often open it up to just random people. Uh, I want people I kind of know. And the best way to kind of get to know me is to be a contributor, because then we open a dialogue. Or come and see me at at an event. Of which, uh, if you're listening to this at the very beginning of May 2018... I will be at the Texas Frightmare weekend this coming weekend. Uh, Selling movies. So stop on by my table and say hello. After that, I'm not entirely sure when I'll be back in the DFW area. I'm trying to set up some draft house screenings. And uh, as far as I understand it, Infinicon, which is usually in August, is not happening this year. So I am not sure if I'll be back before October even at this point. So stop on by and say hi. Come and see me. And if you know of any other events that you think I should do, uh, you should totally talk to me. Of which I do want to send a quick thank you on this podcast specifically to Constellation in Lincoln, Nebraska. We were there this past uh, a couple weeks ago. We had so much fun and people were so cool and we showed the movies and had a great time. Uh, And I just want to thank you guys for having me. Perhaps in another couple of years, you'll invite me back. I, I did Constellation 2. This was Constellation 9. So seven years ago, I was a guest there, and they brought me back because their theme was Con 9 from Outer Space, which, come on, what better theme fits my movies? All right, so because I've been so busy, and I have been crazy busy, I I have to apologize to you. I do not have a Beef McCormick chapter this month. I've had to let that slide so I can get everything done. I am sorry. I promise you next month he will be back. My schedule gets a little more open coming up here uh, after I do Texas Frightmare. I will bring Beef McCormick back. Maybe I'll write two chapters. I don't know. I'm I'm saying this out loud, and then I'm thinking, why would I do that? That's a lot of work. I might write two chapters, Joe, just to get sort of back to where we should be. We'll see. You'll get at least one next month. Instead, one of the longtime supporters of the Mimiverse, a one Julianne Fay, has written... A poem, and it's it's good stuff. So I'm going to read that before Doctor Bob's joke. So for now, I'm going to turn it over to the monster movie kid, Rich Chamberlain, to bring you this month's edition of the Kansas City Crypt. Take it away, Mr. Chamberlain. Hello, everyone. This is Richard Chamberlain, and it's time once again to open the Kansas City Crypt. This month, I want to talk about 
classic sci-fi films from the 50s and 60s. Okay, well, not so classic sci-fi films. How about that? You know, the 50s and 60s were full of low-budget, cheap, crazy sci-fi films that really kind of had a a same theme in a lot of them. You'll find um, really cheap sets. You'll find stock footage. There's usually some type of crazy monster or alien plot. That's what makes these films so fun. Now, I recently had a chance to see a couple of them at a local event here in the Kansas City metro area called Cinema Agogo. It's at a beautiful theater. Well, maybe not so beautiful, but it's a fun-filled theater. It's just got a lot of atmosphere in uh, in Lawrence and. Well, the event, uh, it's held usually about five times a year. And they've got two films kind of back-to-back in a double feature, and they're usually kind of loosely connected. And this time around, it was two sci-fi films, Killers from Space from 1954 and The Phantom Planet from 1961. Now, if you've ever had a chance to see these films, you know what I'm talking about. They don't have really high ratings on IMDb, And they're not really classics, but they're a lot of fun. And they have a lot in common with some of the earlier films from the Mimiverse. Two words for you. Googly eyes. Now, I watched 1954's Killers from Space, and this is actually a fairly decent film for what it for what it offers. Peter Graves, come on, he elevates any film. I love Peter Graves. Uh, this is one of his earliest films. He was only in about 11 films prior to this. He did some TV work. He was in 1952's Red Planet Mars. I think this was his second sci-fi film. And uh, he plays an atomic scientist who claims he was abducted by aliens after being injured in a plane crash. Now, the movie's got uh, a lot of stock footage in the beginning, um, especially in the big climactic scene. There's, uh, I guess I should say, spoiler alert, there's an explosion, which is probably one of the worst uses of stock footage of an explosion that I've seen in a film before. Um, you've got a lot of cheap sets and a really weak plot all in all. That said, I don't know, it actually kind of works in in a crazy way, kind of a fun-filled matinee kind of way. Now, in these films that are dealing in the 1950s and 60s that deal with the nuclear tests, the ever-present nuclear test and the paranoia that surrounds it, uh, oftentimes we're seen, we're dealt giant animals or usually stock footage of normal animals blown up to crazy proportions. And yes, we get that here as well. The aliens have one of the most bizarre plots, I think, of any aliens I've seen in, in another movie around this time period. One of the weakest plans to take over the world, and they're pretty easily thwarted towards the end. Again, I guess I should say, spoiler alert, look, Killers from Space is not a great film, but it's a fun film, and you're not going to see a lot of familiar faces, I mean, besides Peter Graves. You might recognize an actor by the name of James, uh, I think it's pronounced C, S-E-A-Y. He plays Colonel Banks in this film. He played Colonel Halleck in The Amazing Colossal Man in 57. Yeah, you kind of see the the typecasting that this guy was in. 
Um, but the googly eyes, the aliens have googly eyes. They look so incredibly cheap and bizarre. And it's not the only movie that's used these big giant eyes. We see them in other films as well. Usually done a little bit better. Here, you know, they were working with a buck ninety-eight budget. And the googly eyes, if you see Killers from Space, then you're going to get a good laugh when you watch the 2007 Memoverse film, It Came From Another World, because the big googly eyes are featured in it as well. And if you have that DVD, you got to watch the extras, the uh, gag reel, I guess I guess it was, to see the problems they had with those uh, little attachments for the googly eyes. And I have to wonder... Did they have the same problems filming Killers from Space? I bet you they probably did. It's a fun, fun film. And the film it was paired up with, The Phantom Planet, 1961, um, you know, it's got a lot of the same uh, low-budget, stock-footage kind of, of stuff going on here. But in the in The Phantom Planet... We see a few other things that are very common for these films. Crazy-looking spaceships, cheap interiors, and it had something in common with Killers from Space. A crazy plot, some really odd directorial choices, um, but again, kind of fun. Dean Fredericks makes the film fun. Now, he played a detective in 1954's Them, um, clearly a much better film. And it was one of his very first roles. He's best known for doing some TV work. He was in 26 episodes of Jungle Jim, 34 episodes of Steve Canyon, and The Phantom Planet. Now, it's probably just as bad as Killers from Space, but it's still a fun film. Um, kind of a unique plot about a astronaut that gets shrunk down to, to a kind of a... I guess, you know, kind of a a uh, Lilliputian size uh, to match up the other people on this asteroid uh, so they can, I don't know, It's it, you don't get the gist that there's a lot of people on this asteroid. You don't see a whole lot. Uh, again, you know, low-budget films got a, uh, they don't didn't have budget for a lot of extras. Uh, it's a crazy, crazy film about these other alien creatures, one of the, uh, a suit that that clearly looks like uh, something that that uh, you know I'm sure Chris had seen this film when he made some of his early sci-fi films in the Memoverse library. So really, two good films to pair up with a couple of of Memoverse films for maybe a a triple feature or you know a full afternoon of fun. If you've seen Killers from Space or The Phantom Planet, you know what I'm talking about. If you hadn't. Seek them out. They're both public domain. You can find them very easily out there, cheap or best of all for free. And I think if you pair them up, at least with It Came From Another World, maybe Cavewoman on Mars or Destination Outer Space, you, you can't go wrong. They're a lot of fun. And these are the films that Chris clearly is paying homage to in his his films, especially his sci-fi films. So again, highly recommended. Cinema Gogo never lets me down. They I've seen some really crazy films, a lot of good times, and everyone in the audience, and they had a really good crowd for this double feature, uh, really enjoys these films, and they laugh at the right moments and just have a good time. Highly recommended. If you're ever in the Kansas City area, 
uh, check out Cinema Gogo. It's held about five times a year, and uh, you, you won't go wrong. Again, the theater, uh, it's an old theater with lots of atmosphere. You know, it could use maybe a fresh coat of paint and maybe some new seats, but uh, I guess it adds to the overall ambiance of the evening. Now I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and just, I guess, maybe put on my uh, from the editor cap or, you know, just my personal opinion. I want to talk for a second about the Rondo Awards. Now, Demon with the Atomic Brain, the latest film from the Memiverse, was up for an award in uh, Best Independent Film category. And another friend of mine, Joshua Kennedy, his film, Theseus and the Minotaur, was also in the same category. These two films are truly independent films. They both were made through support from us, the fans, who are watching these films, uh, supporting them through crowdfunding campaigns. They're you know, made by uh, Joe Average, making films, doing what they can to um, entertain their fan base and continue to grow that fan base. That's the idea of an independent film, in my opinion. These films should never have been paired up with some of the other films in this category. I love the Rondo Awards. They are our awards. We vote on them. But, again, I've got to speak my mind here. I think there are some categories that definitely need work. And I think the independent film category is one that is it's broken and it needs fixed. Because these movies are going up against other films that clearly are not, in my mind, at least independent films. When they've got a big budget and they're not having to uh, go to the crowd for funding and they have well-known actors in them and they have DVD distribution sales, those are not independent films in my opinion. The Limehouse Column, I'm going to pick on that for a second. It stars Bill Nighy, who is, he may not be an A-list actor, but again, he's a well-known actor who's been in other things. And this movie had a great DVD distribution sale because, I don't know, even though it wasn't released to theaters, it had a great campaign behind it. I was aware of it because the trailer was popping up on my uh, my Apple TV and it got released through Walmart. That's not an independent film, folks. Demon with the Atomic Brain was an independent film and being paired up against bigger budget films like this really wasn't fair at all. And so I think, you know, I don't know if the person who runs the Rondo Awards is going to be listening, but... I don't know. If you're out there and you vote for the Rondo Awards, I think maybe our voices need to be heard. I really think there are some categories that need to be fixed, and the independent film category is one of them. Demon with the Atomic Brain was a movie that certainly was worthy of winning the award. And the movie that did, you know, I'm not going to mention what it is. I've seen it. It was a good film for what it was, but it was a film on a different level. And I feel that it clearly wasn't, in my mind, a true independent film. Okay, I've said my mind. I've, I've said my piece. I just want to give a special shout-out to Demon with the Atomic Brain. It didn't win the Rondo Award this year. I think that it should have. Um, I think that it deserved more recognition than it got from the Rondo Awards. And hopefully, in forthcoming years, some of these categories can be tweaked, can be re reworked, what have you. And the Rondo Awards, which... 
there are awards, folks. We vote for them. I think if we continue to express our opinion, maybe some of the things that need to be fixed can be fixed. And films like Demon with the Atomic Brain or Theseus and the Minotaur will stand a better and more deserved chance of getting recognized by going up a film against films that are truly on their same level. There, I've said my mind. Demon with the Atomic Brain, if you haven't seen it, it's a great film. It is, in my opinion, truly an award-worthy film, and seek it out. All right, I'm going to get off my little my little soapbox. Until next time, folks, I'm going to close the Kansas City Crypt for now. This is Richard Chamberlain. Take care, and we'll talk to you again. Good stuff, good stuff. Okay, like I said, unfortunately, I do not have a four-year-only chapter this month. Life has kept me busy. But it's all for you. It's all for you, the fans, because Guns of the Apocalypse is turning out super cool. Like, really cool. It looks, it looks and feels different than anything I've ever done, and I'm genuinely excited and scared out of my mind, because... It might be a love-it-or-hate-it kind of thing for some of you folks. If if you're a really big fan of something like The Monster Phantom Lake, I don't know if you're going to like this one. But if you like movies, I think you'll like it. If you like westerns, I know you'll like it. Maybe. I mess with it. I mess with the genre. I come up with different ideas. I mean, it's not technically a western, you know? I'll tell you right now, there's no saloon. There are no horses. There are no... A lot of the tropes, I don't do them. It's a little different. It's technically a post-apocalyptic movie but it has a lot of Western elements. You'll see. It's a cool mashup. I'm really happy with it. I really am. Before I leave you today, I'm going to read this poem. Uh, It's called Midnight Ride Through the Mimiverse. Good title. I will do my best to do it justice, but only its author, Miss Julianne Fay, can really be the judge of whether or not I do it justice. Uh, I hope I do. So here it goes. I went out for a midnight ride, I fear, not unlike brave Paul Revere. Swift I rode, for my horse was slain by a fearsome fiend with an atomic brain. I fled like quicksilver, and branches soon gave way to craters like the moon. Though my destination was beneath the earth, it looked more like space for what it's worth. Dread overtook me, I lost all mirth when huge arachnids with a barn-sized girth Battled mosquitoes among the stars, I checked my map. Were we on Mars? Knocked off my horse, my vision swirled. Had I missed my chance to save the world? I woke with a start, safe against my wall. I warned the people, I warned them all. But dreams deceived a la Mimiverse. Oh, hi, diddle snufflegus, I did curse. Deep down slain phantoms were hollow boasts as I lay alone in this house of ghosts. Thank you, Miss Fay, for your words. If you have something like this that you write that's Mimiverse-related, be it a, a short story or a, a, a script or a, a poem, send it to me, chris at sainteuphoria.com, or go to sainteuphoria.com and hit up the contact form. That goes to me. And uh, I might just read it. Uh, I do want to make things a little more fan-focused, and I would love to feature stuff by you guys. So send it to me. Last little piece of news regarding the other Mimiverse podcast. As of right now, the future of it is a bit up in the air. I've had a discussion with Mark Hader, who uh, is one of the hosts 
He's a very busy man. He uh, has a full-time job and plays drums in a band called Leadfoot Larry. Look him up. They have been getting quite popular. And as a result, he is very, very busy now. Ruby, who is the other host, is uh, not only his bride-to-be slash common-law wife, she's his drum tech roadie and, and does lights for them when they do shows. And so they're really busy. And I have been crazy busy. And as a result, we haven't really had time to be able to do episodes of the podcast. We've had discussions about the uh, future. And we may get to a point where very soon we may be putting the Bonfire podcast on hiatus while we figure a few things out uh, and see if maybe we keep it alive and maybe we go bi-monthly. Maybe we just do special shows here and there. We're not sure. So that's some sad news, but it's up in the air. We don't know. And uh, as soon as we do know, you'll find out either on this podcast, probably on the Facebook page, on the website. Everywhere you get your Mimiverse news, that will be the top headline of that day. But we just haven't figured it out. We, we haven't had time, and that's, that's, that's the problem. We're all very busy people. So while the Bonfire podcast figures itself out and we figure out what we're doing, I'm going to try and pick up some of the slack by adding some new stuff to this podcast, maybe a few interviews, just to expand the reach and take over a little bit of what they were doing. Because the two podcasts, uh, you know, I was always more focused on what's happening in the Mimiverse right now, and that was more focused on the actors and the folks who helped make them. And I don't want to lose that. I want to just, I'll just bring it in and, and try and try and do that. You probably heard it before, but it's worth saying again, be good. But if you can't do that, be good at it. I'll talk to you next month. Paging Dr. Bob, you have a telephone call at the front desk. <laughs> it is I, Dr. Bob Tesla, with your Mimiverse joke of the month. A man was driving his car and was in a traffic accident. And he goes into the shop and is asking about his car. And the mechanic says, well, it's totaled. And the man says, well, isn't there anything you can do about it? And the mechanic goes, well, the short answer is no. So the man goes, well, what's the long answer? No. Make sure you come out to the Drexel Theater on May 5th when we will be showing The Neon Dead. It's a very good film. It's, it's kind of like Ghostbusters on a lower budget. And then make sure you watch us weekly in Alt Space VR every Friday at 10.30. Starting Friday the 11th, we will be showing Christopher R. Mims, The Monster of Phantom Lake. Yes, it's going to be the movie that started the Mimiverse. It all begins here. If you haven't had a chance to see The Monster of Phantom Lake, well, first off, shame on you. What are you doing listening to this, this podcast when you could be watching this movie right now. Uh, but second, hey, tune into virtual reality and watch The Monster of Phantom Lake. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and just ignore us on Google+. Everybody ignores Google+. Until next month, science! Science!